This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we get into the business of football, I'd like to get a little literary with my man, Michael Lombardi. So I'm cleaning out... I should say I'm, I'm filling in everything into my new home here. So I'm getting rid of all these boxes and I'm putting books away. And I'm going through all my books. And I thought of you, Mike, because I saw this quote you said on Twitter about the fact a lot of coaches feel the need to exercise physically because it's tremendous for their bodies, but they don't read that much. They don't realize how important it is for their brains. So I know you're really, I know you're really well read because we talk on the show. You tell me, oh, I read the Carly Simon book. Or I read this book. I read Neil Simon, et cetera. How, how many people are actually literate in the NFL? Because you're right. There's a stereotype that, oh, it's a bunch of mouth breeding football, alpha males, et cetera. But are there more avid readers than one would realize? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, the, this rhetoric that, I, you know, I don't have time to read, but you can get a 45-minute bicep workout in, right? You know, like, like at some point, you got to strengthen your mind too. And, and I use this quote, and I've used this quote since I've heard, I've read it. And uh, it, Henry Kissinger says, when you go to Washington, you borrow the intellectual power you bring and you can't renew it once you're there. Now we can get into a whole other conversation about what's going on in Washington. That's for a separate issue. Yeah. But the reality here is, is, if you're not renewing your intellectual capacity, your teaching ability is going way down and you've got to find different ways to utilize it from reading books, from doing that. That was my point. And that's why Coach Raveling and I started The Daily Coach because with some other people, some other talented people working in the backgrounds that we were able to say, look, coaches need coaching. Like if, if Bill Campbell at the Trillion Dollar Coach can coach Steve Jobs or, you know, the guys who founded Google or Sheryl Sandberg, if he can coach them, you need a coach, you know? And so every day we're going to try to put in your inbox some kind of message as a coach, as a leader to kind of think about it. And one of them is find time to read, like find time to read. Coach Raveling always, if you meet with Coach Raveling, say you're going to have dinner with Coach Rav. So Rav says, I'll meet you over at uh, at the restaurant. He loves Howl's in, 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 in Playa del Rey. I'll meet you at Howl's at six. Well, he's there at five and he reads an hour before he gets there. Like it's all about just how you allocate your time. And I think that's the only chance you have in your role on, on the zone and doing all the, if you don't read, your audience is going to get tired of hearing the same stuff. You know, like I've been on, I was on the seventies kick with, uh, 
with uh, Carly Simon and Carol King. And then somehow I got on the, oh, when I went to Washington and I met with, I, I, I was fortunate enough to, did I tell you this? I was fortunate enough to get invited to Washington by two senators, uh, that red gridiron genius. Wow. John Barroso from Wyoming and Marco Rubio from Florida. And I had lunch with them. And before I went to lunch, I sat into uh, a, a, a subcommittee hearing, not quite to the level of, of Vito, uh, Vito uh, Pantangelia, <laughs> but I was thinking of Vito the whole time I was there. And I was thinking of, of, of Frankie Fivefingers, you know, Michael Corleone said this and Michael Corleone said, and I said, yes, yeah, sure. And I was thinking of him when I was sitting in the room. But anyway, Dan Sullivan, the senator from Alaska, talked about this book that you have to read, and I haven't read it. I'm saving it for my trip for Australia, but this book called This Kind of War by T.R. Federback, which is a classic of the Korean War. And, you know, we are in an era with millennials that are so much, uh, that are so involved in looking back in history. And, and if you read anything about MacArthur, whether it's the, the, cold, the, the Coldest Winter by David Halberstam or the newest book by Hampton Sides, you realize this guy was all about his own ego and about his own controlling his own destiny. And, and, and so that's, and, and then you can apply that to what you're doing. That's the whole point of the story. Yeah, it's amazing. You're right. You have to read stuff to kind of open your mind and lighten your mind. And the thing is, you'll read stuff about leadership. You'll read biographies. You'll read entertainment stuff. That's the best thing I know. So the avid readers that I know that learn the most read a wide variety of things. Don't just read one subject matter or one type of book. Yeah, you can't. If you get caught up into one type of book and you just read that, you become an expert in that field. And look, you know, there's an old Max Planck. Have you ever heard of Max Planck, the economist, chemist? Mm -hmm. Okay, he had this thing called chauffeur knowledge. And he would give these speeches to a zillion people. And his chauffeur that drove him around, finally about the 100th speech, said, you know, I can go up there and give the speech. And Max Planck said, yeah, you definitely can go up and give the speech. There's no problem. The problem is the first question you can't answer. <laughs> Right. <laughs> a lot of us have chauffeur knowledge. Right. That's a lot a of us have line. a lot of us have chauffeur knowledge. And so because of that, you know, and then they say if you reach a bunch of different things, you broaden your spectrum. We grow up in a society that that basically we, we, we want to narrow our focus into a streamline. But I think the broader you become, it helps you in that focus. And you can read different books like 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 this book by Hampton Sides or, you know, and you get into different things. And I think you read two different books at one time. I think that's even more critical because it helps you grow quicker. Read one chapter here, read another chapter, another book, go back, alternate chapters. I, that's how I do it. Yeah, I was about to say, everyone's got ADD now anyways. Everyone's on their phones or on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You're doing five different things anyways. You might as well extend that to books. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. That's the literary section of the uh, podcast. Now we turn to the football part of the podcast and that's Odell Beckham, first of all, of course, he is the star of the Cleveland Browns, hoping to have a remarkable season, but he can't stop talking, Mike. He can't stop enough. yapping. And I, he, says I, that, I, he says he felt disrespected by his time and the fact he was traded by New York. All right, here's, the, here's where my biggest pet peeve. It's not with Odell talking. It's about why Odell has an audience, okay? This is what drives me crazy. Odell Beckham was the, 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 the chosen one of the Giants, okay? When it came time to fire Tom Coughlin, they consulted Odell Beckham. When it came time to hire Ben McAdoo, they consulted Ben, they consulted uh, Odell Beckham. When you walked into the Giants facility, there was a picture of the one-handed catch against the Cowboys, not their Super Bowls. They did everything in their power to kiss this player's ass. Like they wanted this thing to work more than ever, more than ever. They, they basically set their franchise back kissing his ass. Okay. Which which nobody knows, nobody sees, but he was, I said this 
three years ago that the problem with the Giants is they're spending too much time kissing Odell Beckham's ass. Okay? I said it three years ago. And now somebody covers this kid and get and lets him get away with, I felt disrespected, when the follow-up question should have been, hey, Odell, didn't you, weren't you involved in the McAdoo hiring? Didn't they consult you on certain things? Weren't you privy to a lot of information? Didn't they just give you $16 million? At some point, when do we stop and call the guy and say, you be accountable for your behavior. Don't just let you rip into people. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah, and it's frustrating. As you said before, the Browns, or anybody who's high on this team, you said, listen, where's the leadership coming from? Like when this team is down, when they need to rise above adversity, who's that veteran leader you're relying on? Odell Beckham is is super talented, but like the poster child for like me first. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And then today I get a I get a text from a from a from a writer and it's have you seen this? The Cleveland.com is doing this thing called How Baker Turned It Around. Mm-mm, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, they're going to do like a whole part documentary on how Baker turned around. Turned what around? Did they win the Super Bowl? Did I miss this? Like, <laughs> turn what around? What did they've turned around? I mean, that they won games? I mean, uh, you could have written this. If you'd have fired Hugh Jackson, you would have turned things around. Just that alone would have turned the ship in the right direction. Like, right. at some point, they're getting so carried away with being mediocre that they're accepting it. You know, that's that's the problem. And if Freddie, if Freddie Childress doesn't put a say, hey, look, that's enough. Shut up, Odell. Shut up, right? Yeah. It's time to shut up. If you don't say that, what, what are we doing here? What's going on? I mean, it's good for guys like us in the media. That it gives us something to talk about. But inside the building, like, how do you let Odell get away with saying he felt disrespected? Why can't you list all the things they did to respect him? Right. And how is that a story? Yeah, that's the other part of it too. Like you said, is like there's an appetite for it and it gets fed and we're talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And it's like, listen, you're just putting more of a bullseye on yourself. Like the, the Browns better be good. It's put up or shut up. If the team plays well, say whatever you want. Yeah, fine. I was disrespected by the sun, by the moon. I don't care. Sure. But if you don't win, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and the why do you need more pressure on yourself than that, right? Like, why do you need more pressure than just that? I think it's ridiculous. And I think if you could keep a low profile and just maintain what you're doing, I mean, just, you know, it's just stupid. I I, I think it's really just, uh, it, it's, it's just putting a target. Look, I will call the Cleveland Browns from this day forward, Vir, the Virgil Salazzos. I mean, they are, that's who they are. They are now the hunted one. The Turks. Nice. <laughs> the Turks. The young Turks. They're good uh, with a the knife. They're yeah. good with a knife. No question. All right. To the main topic, which has been simmering, boiling over in the Michael Lombardi brain and mind and soul, and that's Tyreek Hill. You were waiting for a policy. You were waiting for a judgment to come down for Roger Goodell, and it's honestly shocking. You have to think now in life, man, how many times you're actually stunned by the lack of of a decisive action. This would be one of those times. Roger Goodell does not find any evidence, and so Tyreek Hill gets nothing. That's right, nothing. nothing. It's, like, it's like De Niro and the Untouchables. You got nothing. You ain't got the book <laughs> peak for you. got nothing. Tyreek Hill gets nothing. Can you believe that, Mike? No, I can't. I, I mean, look, I, I want your reaction first before I go off on a tangent because I think you're the more voice of reason here. Me, I carry a bitterness towards me inside of me that I'll admit that I think that John Dorsey got away with grand larceny, being able to draft this kid in the fifth round based on what he did at Oklahoma State. Look, Millie could have put the Oklahoma State tape on. 
and said, man, that guy's a really good player. And you know what, Michael? He's really fast. I mean, he's really fast, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's an easy, he was easy to do. All of a sudden, Dorsey's getting this praise for it. And I'm sitting there like a chooch, you know, I'm wondering like, what the F? You know, like, I can't, like, he drafts him. And how is this fair, right? How is this fair? Okay, well, hats off to John, you win. But now- you explain to me how you feel as a fan. Well, it's frustrating for me as a fan because I said, hang on a second. Roger Goodell has had this problem in the past of certain times he will give a punishment, which is way too light. Obviously, we all know about Ray Rice. And other times, they'll throw the book at a guy and you go, hang on a second. In the case of Tyreek Hill, this isn't like an isolated incident. We all heard the recording. It appears to be evidence or something there. And I understand innocent until proven guilty. And I get that. But th- this this does not seem right that this guy did not cross Personal conduct policy, at least in some measure, whether that's two games, four games, six games, et cetera, it seems kind of shocking that the commissioner would take this long and find no evidence, nothing that the guy did nothing wrong. I just find that incredibly hard to believe. Do you remember the scene in, in, in The Sopranos when Chris, Christopher kills that the, the, the kills the guy over the trash bin, uh, the Kolar guy? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a great scene with Big Puss out there. Uh, you know, when they when they're when they're chop, when they're moving the body around, they think they know, but they don't. They think he's dead, but they're not sure, right? Yeah. That there's always that doubt. And you can see Puss's big finger moving up and down. Well, this is one of those things. You think you know he did something, but you're not sure. But the not sure part, the commissioner has always acted on. Right. Like, when has the commissioner ever said there's not enough evidence? He suspends Zeke even though the Columbus Dickers attorney didn't do anything for him. He suspends Jared Reed when there were no charges filed. Now, I'm not absolving either part person. I'm looking for some form of consistency here. Like, we know this. We know something happened to that kid. We know something happened to that kid. And we know there's a tape where his language and his aggressive words match him being thrown out of Oklahoma State. We also know that the coach at West Alabama read the transcript at Oklahoma State. He read the file, and his initial reaction to letting Hill into West Alabama was, I can't take the kid. And then they talked him into taking the kid because they're giving him a second under the second chance policy. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the commissioner doesn't even go back and say, wouldn't you say to yourself, look, OK, I can't prove this, that he hit the kid. I can't prove it. But something happened and it's in his family. And if it's in your family, it's part of you. You put a black eye. That video, that audio was a black eye. It was such a black eye that the chiefs suspended him from the offseason program. Right, it, it, it was, was the so talk bad. of the NFL draft. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, you hear the Tyreek Hill tape? Are they going to talk about it in the broadcast?" Like, it, it, it became a bigger story than the draft that night. That's how big it was. To your point, that, yeah, and and yet he can't find anything. You know, he can't find any point of it to say. You know, and he doesn't do it in again following the Sopranos leadership logic in a timely fashion. You know, this thing of ours requires a timely fashion. You know, Ralphie, we got to do it, right? And this thing yeah. of ours requires timely action too. And I don't understand it. I talked to at least 10 teams since Friday and all of them, after they bitched about Tyreek not getting suspended, they went into this whole dissertation about how the league office doesn't understand the reality of the clubs. They don't understand. There's one person in the league office, Donna Ponte, that ever worked for a club. Can you imagine that? Wow. Now, I know they hire ex-players and all that. That's great. But they've never been in a front office before. Troy Vincent's never been in a front office before. Troy Vincent's never had to put a team a field, a team on the field on Sunday at 1 o'clock based on the rules. Wouldn't you think they would have somebody in the league office with some expertise 
You know, I mean, that say, hey, wait a minute, this is going to look bad. And then as a leader, if you just understand leadership, consistency, there's an old saying in coaching, you can be an asshole. You just got to be a consistent asshole, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You can be an asshole to the players, but you got But if they know you're an asshole, they'll, ball, they'll fall in. I mean, look, Bob Knight was an asshole, but he was a consistent asshole, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this inconsistency led such a shadow of a doubt on everything. Yeah. And you're right. If you've been punished in the past and you feel like it was way too excessive, you're looking at this going, hang on a second. This is beyond lenient. This is a joke. Right. He could not prove that Brady touched the balls, but he suspected they know, but they don't know. Right. It's back to the puss. They know, but they don't know. Right. (laughs) And so they know something happened to the balls, but they don't know. But they, don't, they keep searching. Well, he suspends them four games, finds a million dollars, and it's kind of ironic that the player we would have drafted in the first round on that suspended pick would have been Jared Reed, this defensive lineman from Alabama that just got suspended, right? Which is kind of a, a twist of fate here as, as we have this podcast. But the reality of it is, 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 is like, I get it. You think something happened with the balls. I get it. There's no evidence. I understand it. But in your jurisdiction, you don't need evidence. Like, when do you need evidence? Right. You know, you keep saying you don't need evidence, so why? You're right. That's the biggest part of it. If somebody says, well, there's no evidence, you're right. Goodell doesn't have to use – this isn't like a court of law. He doesn't have to wait for the court to to you know put a guy in prison or to give him uh, you know community service. It's like, no, no, it's, it's personal conduct policy, which is at the jurisdiction of the commissioner. If he just feels like he's not being a good representative of the league, of the shield, of the team, of the player, I mean, do whatever you want. That's why you get universal power. I mean, that's what he has. And he's exercised it. Look, he made a mistake on Ray Rice. I'll give you that. You know, he didn't see the tape. He made a mistake on Kareem Hunt. Didn't see the tape. Didn't dig for the tape. Okay. He made a mistake on Josh Brown, the kicker. Right? Like, how many more times have you made mistakes on domestic violence where you're going to say, look, I'm never going to make, I'm going to err on the side of being tough. Yeah. You know, and what message does this send to players? What message does this send to players? Like, if you're not going to be tough on domestic violence, what are you going to be tough on? Right. Marijuana? You're right. If there's one thing you can't come back from, you're like, hey, man, domestic violence, that's a zero tolerance policy. You hear that now in all forms of life, no matter what it is, you say zero tolerance when it comes to that. Instead, in this case, Goodell's giving him a little bit of a rope. It's weird. I don't get it. Uh, I don't get it either. You mentioned Jaron Reed, Seattle defensive tackle. Six games is meant for personal conduct policy. To kill nothing, Reed gets six games. How does that work? Well, I, and and the, and here's the thing. I mean, Jarrett Reed. This you know, this is what makes this so baffling. Is is that the Jarrett Reed uh, incident? I mean, it happened in college. I think they're going back to a collegiate thing. Uh, the violation stems from a 2017 domestic violence case in which Reed was accused of assault. Reed was not charged or arrested. However, the NFL personal conduct policy allows the league to punish. I mean, they put out the same statement. The Seahawks said the statement they have followed the league and law enforcement protocol since the alleged incident of April 2017. You know, he apologized. I totally disagree with the decision of the NFL. I must accept it and take responsibility. I have learned from this and will do everything I can to make. I mean, okay, you're being a man. You're stepping up. I mean, I haven't seen any anything where Tyreek Hill's like saying, like, something happened, right? Like, something happened. And I don't understand it. Like, I don't get this. This happened in 17. It clearly was a, a situation. They're going back on it. No, nothing is formally charged. You could look at the evidence and say, we know something happened. It happened. Maybe they know, but they don't know. Back to puss. Mm-hmm. But it, it, clearly, I mean, how do you justify this? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Honestly, there is no justification. I think people will continue to be upset about it. 
Support for GM Shuffle comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with CEO tools to get found on Google. Critical. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 150 million people choose Wix to create their website. Create yours today. You can get started right away by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash the GM Shuffle to get 10% off. That's W-I-X.com slash the GM Shuffle to get 10% off. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. How about pro football focus? Top 10 quarterbacks right now in football. Now, Tom Brady gets the number one slot. You got Drew Brees at number two. Number three is Patrick Mahomes. Four is Aaron Rodgers. Five is Andrew Luck. Six is Russell Wilson. Then you got Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger at eight, Philip Rivers at nine, and your boy, Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns, number 10. Of the top 10 quarterbacks in football, which one jumped out to you, Mike? Oh, well, I mean, I think Mahomes is too low. I, I do think Mahomes is too low because I think there's moments where Breeze and Brady don't play to the level that Mahomes consistently played. I, I, I think Matt Ryan at seven, when you really break down his season, do you really think he – I mean, the numbers in the fourth quarter are more are – more, are he's over eight yards per attempt in the fourth quarter than anything. And then, you know, I think Roethlisberger is right. I thought Rivers was much better than ninth. I really do. I mean, I, where do you put him? The thing about Russell Wilson that was fascinating is when you go back and research and do the numbers like we did last week, he did have a better season even though there was no passing game in, 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 in Seattle. So, you know, look, I, 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 think we, I think we've come to the conclusion and I love Christopher Sims as much as anybody, but the Christopher Sims having Tom Brady ninth might be wrong. <laughs> So if we were to redo our top five, I would go with Tom Brady and then Mahomes at two. I'll put Rodgers three, Breeze four. And I'm not totally sold on Andrew Luck at five. You know, he did have a good year, but just in terms of durability, I worry. Maybe Big Ben. I feel like Big Ben, you like Big Ben a lot. I don't know about number eight. I, maybe I, I love Big Ben at six. Yeah, I might put Roethlisberger I, at six. 
I move him up. I, I love Big. I love Big Ben. I think he's got to protect the ball better. He's got to be more consistent with the football. But look, hey, hey, uh, you know the representative of of the, the Virgil Salazzo's at ten, and he's going to have to prove he belongs at ten. I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting year for Virgil Salazzo's team because I think people are going to rush him differently. I think the Salazzos are going to get rushed differently, and I think they're going to get rushed with people coming after Baker and forcing him to stay in the pocket and not allowing him to throw outside the pocket. If he can do that and he can overcome his lack of height, then I think he'll he'll prove that he's the best player. He's going to have to prove over the next 16 games that he can overcome a lack of height, and people are going to come rush him differently. AD, I'm going to Australia this week. First thing I'm going to pack, first thing I'm going to pack, son of a barber, first thing I always pack, my razors. And you know who's coming with me? I'm taking Harry. My man, Harry, delivers high-quality, travel-friendly shaving supplies at a great low price, $2 a blade. I'll take about four blades with me because I got to be nice and clean and pressed up. But I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash GM Shuffle. Yeah, it's amazing, Mike. You mentioned you're the son of a barber. Well, Harry's founders were two regular guys who were tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced gimmicks. They said vibrating heads, heated blades. It sounded like a prop in a sci-fi movie, like it's 2001. Instead, quality, durable blades at a fair price. Think about that. Two bucks per blade, and to keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. They own a world-class blade factory in Germany. That's right. They're making some of the best razor blades in the world for 99 years, and it's 100% quality. Quality guarantee. Seriously, if you don't like it, they'll give you a full refund. What's better than that? Nothing's better than that. Plus, you don't have to deal with that stupid plastic around the razor blades. You make it, you know, it's ridiculous. This summer, refresh your wallet, your face with Harry's trial set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip. I love the Winston. A five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close, close shave. Rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of the show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash GM Shuffle. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash GM Shuffle to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show. All right, before we get into our offensive coaches, there's one other story here about Matt Patricia. He's, he likes the fact they're being referred to as the Detroit Patriots. Of course, he's taken a lot of course from his time with New England, and now with the Lions, he wants them known as the Detroit Patriots. I mean, that's a good thing, but what are you hearing as far as how he's – uh, fitting in there, Detroit, because I don't, I don't know if people are enamored of playing for this guy. Well, I, th- I think this. I think everybody in the building, and they'll all deny this after it comes out, that everybody in the building thinks it's either win this year or they're all gone. I, I think everybody knows in Detroit, the people around the Detroit Patriots are all saying it's either win or go home. I mean, it's, they're going to have to prove they're taking a step because this is what happens when you go radical and you try to become Bill Belichick. You know, when I give talks to to different groups, I always put a picture of Sinatra up there in a leisure suit. Like that just doesn't look right. Like Sinatra in a yes. leisure suit doesn't look good, right? That's nice. not. It's not. It's not authentic Sinatra, right? And so when you're trying to be Bill Belichick and you're not authentic Bill Belichick, it comes across. It's one thing, you know. Like to me, embracing this Patriot way, it just it just alienates the players even more because then all of a sudden, like, look, we are the Detroit Lions. We have great history here. You know, I think you got to embrace your past. Marines fight for Marines, right? Embrace your past and make something. Make the Detroit Lions. Don't go back to that. It would be like me and you just. Keep Keep using the same chords to write the same kind of songs, right? Like you, you got to change your shit. You know, give me a new like. Like I know Peter Frampton survived on Frampton Comes Alive, but he might be the only one. Like we got to have some new shit out here. We got to try some different stuff. And if you keep hanging on this Patriot way, 
I wrote a column that'll come out later in the week for the for the athletic. And I talked about there's there's three different ways where teams get screwed up in the as we start training camp. And and, and it really becomes it, it really boils down to it, it, it comes down to uh, how, how teams are crafted. Like we talk about culture, right? On the Detroit Lions, we talk about culture. Well, instead of talking about the Patriots, you should talk about really the first thing he should do is say, look, fellas, the only way, the, the number one thing everybody in this room has to understand as we begin training camp is the only players who are going to make the teams are the ones that win the job. It doesn't matter where you drafted or how you play or where you're from or who signed you or what team you were with before. The only thing that matters is your performance on this field as we start out this journey, right? That's the number one thing. That starts the criteria. That starts the culture. But what happens, what we see when people are putting rosters together, and it's going to be very clear in Detroit, we have the first thing we have, what happens in in all businesses and all sports is we have this thing called confirmation bias, which clearly the decision makers, they begin with the end in mind. We're going to have Danny Amendola on the team. He doesn't have to make the team. We're going to have this guy on the team. He doesn't have to make all of a sudden that favoritism that you're showing to people, that confirmation bias, that that eliminates your culture right there. Because yeah. the players don't think they're the players don't think they're getting a fair chance, right? And then there's the and then, and then, you know, there was the other term for the confirmation bias. We called it the Al Davis Scholarship Program, where Al Davis would just say, oh, fuck, he's making the team. I don't care what you think, you know, because the guy was fast and he could run, you know. He's on our team. Who else can run that fast, you know? And yet you had to play him. I mean, people don't realize in 2002, we were going to start Anthony Dorsett over Rod Woodson. We had Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, free safety, and Anthony Dorsett, Finally, you know, I used to say this all the time in Oakland, we're one good injury away from having a good team. You know, if we, <laughs> we were one injury away from having a good team because if once Dorsett got hurt, we could play Woodson and Al couldn't do anything about it because Dorsett was hurt. Right. You know, because he had this scholarship program that guys that could run fast were going to stay on. So, and there again, you had no culture, right? You had no culture. And then what happens is because he has so many favorite players on scholarship, the players realize that it doesn't really matter that unless you're on his scholarship, you're not going to get paid. Again, can't establish the culture. And then the other one is this new coach bias. Whenever a new coach takes over a team, he always brings in players that know his system from what to do. I call them bus driver players. They can get the bus to the stadium, but once the st bus gets to the stadium, they can't do another fucking thing. They're done. They're, all, they're horrible, right? They know what to do. They can't do it, right? right? And so when you add those three biases into a team, that's why no culture gets made. And I think that's why the Lions are, are, are in such a desperate straits because Matt's just trying to be, Matt's just trying to be Bill. It, it, you know, pencil in the ear, laminated sheet. Just keep, Lion fans, keep reminding yourself of that. Pencil in the ear, a laminated sheet. Like, what's that pencil going to do for him? <laughs> it's so funny you talk about, like, that idea of a bus driver. It's like the teacher's pet, right? It's like the kid in class, and the teacher favors him rightly or wrongly. They're just going to pass. It's like being at a job, and you go, hey, you know what? This guy's got the boss's ear. They go play golf together. The wires get along together. Great. Is he doing a good job? No, hell no. He stinks. He's, he hasn't been productive in years. But if you got the guy's ear, then you're fine. And so you're right. You can relate that to all walks of life, whether or not it's football or anywhere else. No doubt, and 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 that's what's and that's why you don't have culture. That's what happens. You you don't have a culture that you need to have. You you don't have exactly the kind of things that you want, and your culture comes bad. And so you know, and you wonder why. Like nobody, like I bet you in that locker room in Detroit, they're all saying, "Hey, if you ain't come from New England, you ain't got no chance." And then he reinforces the bias with this stupidity of of saying we're going to be the Detroit Patriots. 
Like right. seriously, right. how is like if you ask any management expert around the country if this is a smart strategy, they would tell you this is the dumbest fucking thing they ever heard. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned different music, different musical chords. The only one I could think of the Ramones, three chords every single time. Yeah. The Ramones do yeah. the same thing every single time. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you look at those writers at the Brill Building, whether it was Carol King, you know, all those people, you know, that were writing in the Brill Building, they all kept the, the songs all sounded like very different variations. Although they say Ed Sheehan's a stealer of all those chords too. Who, you know, he's been to court too many yeah. times for that. Yeah, yeah, he's very popular right now. All right, top offensive coaches right now. We talked about top defensive coaches, which I thought was great, Mike. I thought it was very informative and interesting because you were focusing not just on defensive head coaches, but also like defensive coordinators. So in terms of offensive head coaches, I think there's a few that definitely jumped to mind for me as a football fan. Obviously, Sean Payton comes to mind. Uh, Sean McVay comes to mind. Who are some other names? When you think top offensive coaches in football, these are the guys that you would trust to, to run a great play call. Well, I think nobody's better than Josh McDaniels. I mean, for whatever reason, he refuses to step back into the pool of becoming a head coach. But as far as an offensive coordinator, play caller, I think he's outstanding. And I think, you know, the thing you dig in a little deeper here, the one thing I've learned over the course of my career is great play callers somehow are math majors. They see things in three-dimensional way, and they understand how to call plays like a chess player. I think Frank Wright is a rising star. I think he is the Jackie April of the NFL right now. He's a rising star because he calls a game as well as anybody I've ever seen. And I know he's a head coach, but he's also an offensive coordinator. But I think when you go look at Philadelphia's success and Carson Wentz's success, no disrespect to what Peterson's done, I think Reich had a lot to do with it. Same thing with Andy Reid. I mean, if Andy Reid would just outsource his game management to India, we would be so much better off. There's no doubt. You know, there's so many good offensive coaches in the league, you know, that, that you look at, but most of them are head coaches. And I think Sean Payton, I think Josh McDaniels, I think Frank Wright, I think Sean McVay, those guys, Andy Reid, those guys set the bar that anybody who's a really good offensive play caller, you know, is going to get a head coaching job. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, I think, is really a good play caller as well. I mean, he can call, he can dial up a game as well as anybody. All right, let me ask, put it to you this way. It's uh, fourth quarter, it's 20-all, you got the ball at the 20. Who's the guy you want? With, you know, two-minute drill. Who, who's the coach that you would want running the offense to get your team to march down the field 80 yards? In crunch time, which guy do you trust the most with personnel? I would trust McDaniels. I love Gary Kubiak, too. I didn't mention Gary. I love Gary, but the problem with that Kubiak, Shanahan, uh, even Sean McVay to a degree, to that style of offense, there's not enough dropback passes. So when you get into a two-minute drill, your offensive linemen are so used to pass protecting. That two-minute drill, if you take away the run threat, that pass protection, when you look at the Raiders and Tom Cable, all his numbers in pass protection are horrendous because he's just a run, he's a pass, he's a run first guy that really wants to be able to control the line of scrimmage with play action pass. And then you're in a two minute drill. You got to be able to drop back. You know, the, here's the rule about good teams. They got to be able to throw it when the other team knows we're going to throw it. And they got to be able to run it when the other teams knows we have to run it. That defines a good team right there. Look no further. If you want to bet on teams, you take those two approaches into betting into your betting advice portal and utilize them. Yeah, it's always about keeping guys off base. Uh, one last one before we hit the road here. By the way, Mike's going to be in Australia next week, so I cannot wait for the stories from down under. Should be interesting when we tape this. I'll be at you know, three in the morning or something. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's going to be, um, oh, it'll be Mark incredible. I, I mean, I, I got invited down there by the Australian mm-hmm. Rules football team, 
And I'm so excited. The Essenton team, I think that's how you say it. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm going down there. Springsteen's big down there. So at least I know people have something to talk about. You know, at least we can all talk about E Street. Just talk a little Asbury Park. You'll be ready to go. Uh, Mark Sanchez is going to be joining ABC's college football coverage. My old friends, Kevin Nagani, Jonathan Vilma. Uh, they used to have Mac Brown there. Of course, Mac's now back coaching again. So How Mark could they Sanchez, ever replace Mac? How could they no, replace ex- Mac? <laughs> so Mac goes and Mark Sanchez comes in. Now, I don't know how much he's followed college football. Obviously, he had a great career at USC. And then in the NFL, things didn't work out. But listen, he's telegenic. Uh, he's a funny guy. He's articulate. I, I would think he'd be made for TV. So if you're a fan of the franchise, let's see how he does with Nagani and Velma coming to ABC this fall. What do you think? Uh, you know, look, I, I'm very quick to mute. I will be honest with you. I am a muter. I am a muter by craft. I mean, I even mute diners, drive-ins, and dives. I mean, I'm a big muter when it comes to television. Uh, I, you know, I'll just watch the see. I like that's what I like to do. I like to watch diners, drive-ins, and dive on mute and figure out what the hell they're making. It's a good game to play. But anyway. I, unless he's going to teach me something about the game, you're getting muted. So I hope Mark Sanchez brings his – look, you know, as, as as Tony, as Uncle Junior told Tony, you either come heavy or don't come. Sanchez needs to come heavy. <laughs> That's one of the best lines ever. It's like if you're going to step to me, you're going to, it's like the line from The Wire. You come at the king, you best not miss. Same thing. You better you come, come heavy, heavy or don't come. Uh, <laughs> Australia, can't wait, man. Is Millie going with you? No, no. Okay. Millie's going to stay back and, and watch the dogs. And, and okay. it, it's wintertime down there. Well, I was about to say, I don't like long flights. As I've gotten older, I've learned to dislike flying more. I know with your profession, obviously you've flown so much, but how are you going to do with this 15-hour flight to Australia? I'm going LA to, I'm going Philadelphia to LA on Qantas. So okay. me and the Rain Man will be on Qantas. Okay. Qantas never and- crashed. Yeah. Could never, no, no crash, uh, you know, Qantas. And then I'm going from LA to Melbourne and then coming home, I'm going Melbourne to San Francisco and then back. So, I mean, like, I got a lot of work to do on the flight. I got a lot of books to read. So I'll, I'll take a nap. I'll be, you know, I'm in first class. So I, how, how hard can it be? I mean, somebody's kissing your butt for 14 hours. Seriously. <laughs> I don't have to take, Be- I won't have to take Bella out one goddamn time on 14 hours. That, that is a record right there. I don't have to feed Bella or take her out in 14 hours. That's a record right there. I can't wait for the stories, man. Uh, We'll talk to you from Australia. I know it's going to be a blast. We'll see you next time at GM Shuffle. As always, spread the word. Subscribe to the podcast. Review, rate. Tell us what you think. Go ahead on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. I check it out. If you want advice from me and Mike, we always appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you. 